Hello, Restoration Church. Nathan and Joey sitting here again for our third installment of the Church Basic Series. So here we go. Here we go. Here we go. That's right. So we've talked about what a church is and what she does. Last time we talked about church membership. Yes, and indeed. now we're moving on to church leadership, or really offices inside the local church. So what are the two offices? They are bishop and diakonos. There you go. Servant or pastor and deacon. Pastor and deacon, elder and deacon. This is in our statement of faith. We believe the two church offices are pastor, deacon, or pastor and deacon. And this is what the church has believed for 2,000 years, so we're not saying anything new. Most everything we're saying, by the way, just to be clear, we haven't said, nor will we hopefully say anything that's very provocative in terms of church history. Yeah. Uh, so the importance of leadership, Nathan, we were just talking about, this doesn't just start with the church in the New Testament, uh, but it's a, it's a thread throughout all of Scripture. And so talk about some of the leadership that you see there in the... Yeah, the Lord has some very condemning words for the bad leaders of Israel. Uh, I mean, he reserves nothing. He holds nothing back. We see in Ezekiel chapter 34, uh, it says, verse 1, and actually starting in 2, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel, who have, who have been feeding them, feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. And he goes on, he says, therefore you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord as I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there, there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. And he goes on to give them bad words. And then Jeremiah 23, really been meditating on this one a lot. Verse one. You read this in what, your personal time with the Lord a couple, time of week, Lord. A couple yeah. months ago. And you, yep. We've talked about it several times. Yeah, I have. Been very beneficial to me. Uh, I was working through the book of Jeremiah personally, and it says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Which what he's just talking about in Ezekiel as well. Same. Taking advantage of the people, that's feeding right. off the people. And no, Yeah, that's right. Note that he says it's my pasture, and woe to you because you're scattering them. And he goes on to say, You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I love this language. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. He's speaking straight to the leaders of Israel. And then I will gather the remnant of my flock. I think this is new covenant language. Out of all the covenant, all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful, multiply, pulling off of Genesis 1, Genesis 9, Matthew 28. And then get this. This is the positive interlude into our discussion. Verse 4, I will set shepherds over them. Who will, this is the rim that he's gathered. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them and they shall fear no more. So there's something about shepherds that should be caring for them. Uh, they shall fear no more nor be dismayed. Neither shall any of them be missing, declares the Lord. So anyway, all of that to say in one soundbite, the shepherds of Israel were basically thinking about themselves and just feeding themselves and not attending to the sheep. And the Lord was ticked off. That's right. So it's not just leadership that a church needs. But it needs qualified, godly leadership inside the life of the church, and so this is and this is what you see uh, when uh, the the church is birthed in the book of Acts. Churches are planted, and leaders are elected, appointed there throughout. And so we read when we studied Titus a couple of years ago. This is what Paul says to Titus: This is why I left you in Crete, in order that you may put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town. 
Yes. So something about the elders, the leadership, the pastors of the church that bring order to the church. But again, it's not just anybody. So there, there are qualifications for leadership. So where do we find those qualifications? So Nathan, we're, we're talking about our job description. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, or our job qualifications. Why would we do this? <laughs> you know, we're uh, going to make our jobs harder on us. Well, but as we said last yeah. time, the members are, equal, are, are, are to submit to their leaders. And so that we want right. to make sure leaders are qualified to lead. And they have a job to do. They can fire us. And, and as well, they should if That's they right. see us being like those Jeremiah 23 or is equal to 34 kind of pastors. That's right. So in our constitution, way to call a members meeting and fire us if we are not Living up to our job description. So our job description is public for anybody who has a Bible. Mm-hmm. Where would what are a couple of the main passages people could go to read about the qualifications for a pastor elder? Yeah, so you see first Timothy three, uh one down to seven for the pastor, eight down to thirteen for deacons, uh Titus one, one to about about two or three to about nine. Yep. And then you get first Peter five. Uh, I'd want to throw in there Acts chapter twenty seventeen down towards the end of the chapter. Yeah, um, very descriptive in the Acts, but it shows a lot the way Paul thought about eldering and commended the elders of Ephesus. So, so. But most notably, if you're going to look at the pure job description, First Timothy three, Titus one, First Peter five would be the main ones. All right, yeah, and so we could boil these qualifications down into three main areas: character. Conviction and capability. So we read read things in those those list of characters, such as above reproach, mm-hmm. uh, not quarrelsome, sober minded, uh, the husband of one wife, able to manage his own household well. Why do you think that's the case? Why is he? Why is Paul going right into those kinds of things, Joey? Why is those kind of character, in particular, that above reproach? Yeah. Things like that. That's the first thing he mentioned. That's right. Why? Why would that need to be a qualification for a leader of a church, a pastor of a church? Yeah. For for. Two reasons. One, because I think it's going to quickly tell the way that the, the leader is going to care for the people under their 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 care. And so, if you if someone is prideful or arrogant or haughty or quick tempered or any of these things, they're going to use their power to lord it over people yeah. instead of serving to lord it over. So, I think there's a general character qualification where they can serve the people, but also one of the roles of an elders we'll talk about is to emulate or to exemplify what it means to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean Pastors are perfect by no means, but it means if you were to reveal everything in their life, there was nothing in there that would make you think, wow, they just don't really love Jesus that much. So therefore, if someone reproaches them, they would have to be able to be above that since they're the ones teaching people how to walk that out. Yeah. 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 So, so that happens all the time. Yeah. And know? so much, so much of pastoring and eldering is just, is, remember our, our brother Matt Schmucker is a pastor in another church. He said, when you become a pastor, your life and your convictions are on public display. Yeah. yeah and right. so a lot of what we do is just exemplifying and being public about what it means to follow Jesus. Yeah. And if you don't have a character and a core to do that, you're not going to do it well. Yeah. And reproaches are going to come. That's right. You know, people are going to evaluate our lives and, and as well they should, as Paul says. Yeah. So we've got to be able to be above those things. Our character has to be rising above it and yeah. Yeah, Gen- you know, generally speaking, faithful, not perfect, sure. but just faithful. Faithful, yeah. You, yeah. you look at, I mean, yes. So character, uh, talks, both these lists talk about conviction, uh, not a recent convert, able to hur- uh, hold the, the, the word firmly, so he's able to rebuke those who contradict it. Mm-hmm. So Nathan, why is it, a, is it is it a pastor, an elder of a local church, have conviction about what they believe? Yeah, I think. Paul says it so well in Titus one uh, nine in the qualifications for elders when he says he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught 
so that he may be able to give sound instruction. So I think that's your answer. So he'd be able to give it. He's got to have the conviction. So he has to know what it is his convictions are so that he can then teach it. He can give the sound doctrine, fight for the sound doctrine. That word sound there can mean healthy, healthy, true, faithful doctrine. And also, he says on the other half, and rebuke those who contradict it. So he's got to have the convictions to be able to communicate it and stand for it and know what's wrong so that he can rebuke those that are contradicting that. That's right. So if he doesn't have a character and a conviction about things, and he's kind of a wishy-washy kind of guy that doesn't really stand for much, then that's not that person is not qualified to be a pastor, yeah. period. So, Nathan, should we as pastors have a firm conviction on everything about everything that we believe? Uh, No. <laughs> I'd want to, I'd so want to why, maybe sharpen that question a little bit more. But why is it important yeah. that we, we yeah. hold some things with a very closed hand? Yes. Christ, yes. gospel, character of God, yeah. uh, ordinances in the local church. Bible. Bible. Yeah. That we, we have a very, we have yeah. a closed hand. Yeah. Those are not going anywhere. That's but we right. also have an open hand on things, yeah. uh, that maybe are not. Eschatological as, positions. Eschatological positions. Yes. Songs that we sing on Sunday. What's the best way to raise our children? That's right. Even you know, maybe that. you think it's best to do this, best to do that. The best way to you school know. our children. Best what way is, to school our children. So we have some open-handed issues yeah. that, uh, you and I would even differ on, or we're not going to make the church come to a position. Why is it important that we have those as well? That we don't have a we don't yeah because we don't want all we we don't want all the people to be just like us yeah. you know we need differing opinions and my goodness if you were to sit around the table with at one of our elders meetings you would see this very clearly you've got the you know the reserved and measured Englishman you've got the strongly dour and thoughtful you know Eastern European and you've got the opinionated loudmouth. <laughs> And you have the, you know, sort of, uh, the engineer that's sort of constructing everything and making everything work. And yeah. so it's so good to have all of those people around, yeah. different backgrounds, different worldviews that they were raised in. That's right. So helpful. I think about, you know, you know, having Nick around that table is so helpful because he's coming from an Eastern Orthodox oh, background yeah. in atheistic teaching. So we're always defaulting into sort of, you know, Roman Catholicism, sort of working against that or something. And he brings, some thoughts and convictions about things that I just haven't experienced, and that helps cut round us out. Yeah. But we're still united on those important things. That's right. Same thing yeah, with the elders. We have this big slab of foundation that we're not going to – we don't have to talk about or debate these things. And so what, when we talk about things, we have the convictions. And then also, inside the life of our church, if we were to have a firm conviction on everything, when we really needed to encourage or rebuke, it would just sound like everything else we say. Yeah. And so if you believe it, Everything's equally important, then really nothing becomes important yeah, at the end yeah, of the day. So, yeah, that's right. That's um, right. So yeah, but these convictions are important, and we yeah. live we live in a culture nowadays that teaches us to try to hold convictions as loosely as possible. And this is why the church is so countercultural: is is Christians should desire leaders, they should desire pastors that have a clear character that matches clear convictions on a few important things. And I think you can most notably see those in our statement of beliefs, but even even some of the things we want to think about as elders, we want to make sure to be a little bit tighter there, uh, even in membership, just yeah. so we can be in agreement on those important things. Sure. So we have we have the character of a pastor, we have the convictions of a pastor, and we have the capability of a pastor. And, and notably, both the list in... Uh, uh, First Timothy and Titus have this able to teach or able to give sound instruction. Yeah. 
Uh, why is it important, again, that an elder is one who is, first of all, what does it mean to be able to teach? Does that mean you have a great charismatic personality and you can draw a crowd? Yeah, great question. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> What does it clip. mean to be able There's to teach? There's a lot of people that think that. I think right. they think that they don't meet that qualification unless they're Matt Chandler or John Piper or Tim Keller. And, you know, because you have this amazing following. That's not at all. What it's, what it's saying, what that means is that they're able to clearly communicate the truth of God's word. Doesn't matter who that's with, how many are there. But they're able to clearly articulate the truth of the word and refute those that are that contradict uh, the clear teaching of the word. That's so right. that's all it means. Yeah. So I think about my own teaching. I think about the teaching of Chris and Nick, and most of it does not happen on a Sunday morning publicly. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so right. most that's of my right. teaching is happening. I don't even lead a community group anymore. Yep. yep. And so most of my teaching is so happening. Responsible. <laughs> Golly, man, just uh, later, take just the lay. Going on sabbatical, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Just get it out of responsibility. Uh, as we anyway. said last night, I was like, oh, I don't care. That's happened to your most about it. <laughs> uh, but oh. the, the idea of a lot of my teaching happens in counseling or discipling. That's oh. where a lot of my teaching mm-hmm. is. And same thing with Chris mm-hmm. and Nick. So oh. this doesn't mean you're able to, to hold the attention of thousands and yeah. draw them in. But it means you're, you're faithful. And it means that God seems to use your faithfulness to bring forward whatever That's he does. Right. So, yeah, there's life underneath that teaching. Right. So why is it important that, that this is this is kind of one of the more objective qualifications of mm-hmm. a pastor elder? Well, you see all through the New Testament. You see it certainly in the Old Testament. I read a few of those, but uh, that was more sort of character stuff, people just caring about themselves. But when you read the New Testament, I, I feel like I've, I've increasingly learned this just in the past six to eight months myself. Virtually every single New Testament epistle is addressing false teachers that get in and around the church. Mm-hmm. And so you got to have leaders that are able to clearly articulate the truth and teach it soundly and, again, refute those that contradict it. Because if you don't have leaders that are able to do that, then those those fault, those wolves that get inside the life of the church, which the New Testament says they're going to be there, uh, and around the culture, all these things pressing in, if you don't have leaders that are able to see a few things clearly and teach it clearly, then the church as a whole is going to be susceptible. To so, attack. That's right. So, and, and, and as you read in Ezekiel and Jeremiah, feed my sheep. So yeah. We feed God's word to right. God's people. Again, yeah. not the only way to do it. And we, one, some of the ways we feed is by equipping to others to feed and so forth. So, yeah, amen. Uh, so we have elders, pastors that are uh, men of character, men of conviction, and men of capability. And church, if you're listening to us, you'll notice that I've just used men on all those. And so we, we believe yeah. that, that scripture reserves the role of pastor elder. Uh, not just for men, but for qualified men. I think that's an mm-hmm. important thing, like qualified men. We're yeah. not going to hash in all that now. Anything quick, Nathan, you want to say on that? that yeah, just, I, I, it's, it is very countercultural to believe sure. that even inside of evangelicalism today in the 21st century America, it's countercultural. But we're not reflecting anything that the church hasn't believed for 2000 years. And, and I think I would even go so far as to say most of the church across the world still believes and maintains because I think it's the clear teaching of scripture. Sure. It's not popular. But it doesn't mean that it's not true. And we hold that humbly, but we do hold it firmly. Yeah. And I'd say we, we hold it humbly and we hold it firmly amongst the elders. And it's where we're going to teach, preach and counsel. But it's not this. It's not required for membership. Yep. So yep. anyway, yep. if you have questions about that, come talk to us. We've you know, we have a couple of position papers and so forth. So another podcast. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah, we probably yeah. should. On, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so that that's that's the, the the qualifications inside the roles. We've already hit those. But let's just lay them out. The the five roles of a pastor: teaching, preaching. We've talked about that. Shepherding, pastoring, counseling. 
uh, how would you explain the shepherding and counseling aspect of a pastor? You know, it, I really, I, I, I use my imagination a lot, and I really, the, the imagery of shepherding to me is so helpful. So I'm imagining, I, I can remember, we don't really think about this here in the middle of an urban setting in the United States, just think about a shepherd. But I remember you've been there in northern Iraq, oh, right? Yeah. We go there, and you see shepherds. There they are, and they're sitting there. A lot of them look bored out of their mind, you know, <laughs> but they're out there in this open field and they're just sitting there with a little staff, just like you would imagine, and they're overseeing the sheep. And so I think when we say shepherding, that's what we're doing is we notice there's a little sheep over there that's limping and we sort of go over there to it and try to care for the sheep. If we notice these two or three are wandering away, we try to come over here and bring them back in. Yeah. So that's the image. Image, I think, is a good one. It's overseeing. That's one of the titles. And it's shepherding, it's overseeing the entire flock, and it's shepherding each little sheep so as to make the whole healthy. That's right. For the glory of God. And that's where that, that idea of not pastoring under compulsion or out of a desire to have power or out of any of these things, because, um, it's really, you care for and you tend the sheep. Yeah. Uh, so you, we teach, we shepherd, we lead. So just giving overall administration and direction to the life of the church. It doesn't mean we decide everything. It just means we recommend this is the way we're going and hopefully, that the congregation affirms those recommendations most of the times. At times, there may be times when they need to correct us and redirect, but we lead, yeah. uh, we equip. Why is it important that elders, pastors are in the business of equipping church members? Yeah. I mean, we're, I think we, I just, I was just a moment ago was reading John Bunyan, uh, about the heavenly footman and he talks about this notion of running fast because the reality is one of the realities is, is you don't know when you're going to die. <laughs> so, we need to be equipping other people because I might get hit by a truck today, you know, and this church needs to keep going. Yeah. Uh, same thing with you, brother. Yeah. Um, and Chris and Nick and, you know, who knows what may come of the church. That's one reason. I think we could give numerous right. reasons. Another reason would be that we need to constantly be training up more leaders as the church grows. So we have enough shepherds to care for the sheep. Um, yeah, on some, it goes. A whole host of reasons. And, and here's another, here's a third one. Given the fact that the average member at Restoration Church stays here for two and a half years, you know, we, A, on our side of things, who knows if these, how long these elders are going to be elders. But secondly, we want to help other churches, not just our own. Yeah. So we raise these brothers up. I can think that, you know, one of the first ones that come to mind was Paul Barrett. When he came yeah. to our church, he moves to New York City and becomes a pastor. Yeah. He wasn't an elder here, but we raised him up. He went to New York and now he became an elder there. Yeah. So there's four reasons. Amen. Yeah. There's, there's plenty more. Yeah. Uh, and then, so we teach, we shepherd, we lead, we equip, and we exemplify. We've already talked about this. The elders, hopefully, are setting forth a pattern of faith and life for the congregation to emulate and to follow. Yeah. So that, that yeah. in a nutshell, is pastors, elders, anything else you want to say? One more yes. thing, you got the finger up? Yes, very, one very important one. Acts chapter 6 would indicate that we must be praying, mm. praying a lot. Yeah. So we find in Acts chapter 6, you know, there's a bit of a hustle-tussle over some kind of minor things about feeding everybody, and the apostles are... Are they set up what we understand to be the office of deacon, uh, in order that it says that that they might devote that the apostles may devote themselves to preaching and praying. That's right. So, so I, that is one of significant parts of our job is praying. So last night we had an elders meeting. It was about three hours long. Yep. And what did we do for probably two hours? What did we do, Nathan? We shepherd. We we shepherded. We 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 checked in on every little sheep. So we just yeah. brought them into the barn, and we <laughs> took here. How's their toes? How's their face? Is there any scratches on them? Okay, I noticed they have a little limp. Okay, next one, and bring them in. That's what we did. We went through every single person in the on the membership roll. Took it. Just sort of taught how they doing. 
Yeah. Are they connected? Are, who, are they discipling anyone? Anyone discipling them personally? Have we seen them at church? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So usually at our elders meeting, we'll do 10 or 15 names, kind of more in doubt. But last night we did, we did the whole kind of quick re- yeah. check for the whole flock. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. So we spent. And then and, that was just the shepherding piece. And then we prayed for each individual person by name, by name, including the children. That's right. Yeah. So including the children. Yeah, so yeah. praying is a message. So if, if a man may be qualified, at least as it relates to his character, maybe even gifted to teach, that does not mean that he should lead as a pastor if he is not in some way excelling at prayer, since that is a significant part of his job. Right. And I think that's the other thing about pastors is we don't necessarily make pastors. We identify yes. those who are already pastoring. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, can't, do we, do we help them grow in certain areas if they're, they're less mature or whatever? Yes, but we, we still want to look at it and say, all right, who's already doing the work of a pastor? So, and then. Yeah. yeah. So, Joey, do we have an elder track? Like a little, a program that we've put together. If you just sort of work through this, then you'll become an elder on the other end. No. Okay. So what is it then? You, you said that we sort of noticed we're doing it. So what is our quote unquote elder track? We look at members of our church who are making disciples yeah. and caring for others as normal Christians should. Yeah. And then we go to them and we say, have you ever thought about being a pastor yeah. or a, an elder? And then we have, begin some conversation. That's what yeah. we do. Yeah, yeah. And it starts with first question we ask, first Timothy three one. Do you, have do you aspire right. to be a pastor? And if they say no, I have some concerns. Sure. Because doesn't mean that everybody will be a pastor, but there should be, I think, some most of the time, not all the time, should be some level of aspiration. So and, yeah, we're just we're not necessarily throwing a title on them and then they suddenly become we're already seeing them doing that work and we say, Man, we want to bring them up and give them more responsibility because they're doing well in this little part of the sheepfold. Yeah. You know? There's that we, when we ask that question, we're already getting long, but I want to say this. Yeah. Then we're gonna move on to Deacons. When we ask that question, you want to find that balance of if they say no, you want to be concerned. Or if they say yes and they're like so eager Ooh, and yes. like I've just been waiting, waiting, you know, that's, that's right. all like well, what what yeah. it's a hard job. It's a yeah. it's a difficult task. Yeah. And so yeah. that yes, but it's hard. Okay. Yeah. People that's, that people that want the job too eagerly is concerning. So yeah. uh, uh, so pastors Hang on, there's one more thing, brother. We have to say this. This is so important because this doesn't get talked about much. But I want to talk about the frame, just the frame of the soul of a pastor. You you read, you heard when I read this Ezekiel 34 and Jeremiah 23 passages that the the problem was is they were caring so much for themselves, and so there should be a frame of soul in the life of a pastor that has a desire to tend to care for the sheep, and so it's this kind of there should be a level of tenderness. And care and concern. I think about Jesus in John 10 that says, I'm the good shepherd that, the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And so there should be this level of care and concern. Their soul should be just tender and caring and also stern, uh, like a good father would be. Yeah. Well, as we say, shepherds, good shepherds smell like sheep. Amen. Jesus was tender, he was sweet, and he was also stern. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, what, that's what First Peter gets at, the whole not lording it under, not under compulsion, yeah. because you're under the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. That's right, that's right. Okay, now you can go to deacons. All right. Okay, so, here we go. Uh, deacons is the other office inside the life of the church. We saw this when we studied Philippians. Paul writes to the church and to the overseers and deacons. So these are the, the two offices inside the life of the church. Uh, Nathan, what is a deacon? Basically, you, when you look in First Timothy three, you see the qualifications there. First Timothy three eight down to thirteen, you'll notice 
basically the qualifications for the most part are the same, but for two things, two two differences. One, you don't notice you notice there's not the qualification of being able to teach. Right. And two, we see in the likewise there, speaking of their wives, there is a there seems to be an openness to women, whereas there's not in the alternative of elders. Yeah. So deacons are the the word literally just means servant. Yep. That's what it means in the in the Greek yep. text. And so we we just kind of we explain deacons as the shock absorbers of the church, and so they help promote unity, and logistically they take care of the regular repeated tasks, the kind of mundane things a lot of people don't think about that happen inside the life of our church, so it doesn't distract the elders from preaching and praying. And yeah. so uh, we are our, our current uh, deacons and deaconesses is Sean Leong is the the deacon of outreach, and so he organizes Friendship Terrace and some other stuff. Uh, Matt Hawkins, deacon of audiovisual, so he sets up schedules and makes sure there's people there to run cables and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we have deacon of music, Daniel Kim, mm-hmm. again, scheduling musicians and making making song suggestions and doing all that logistic stuff so I don't have to think about who's all music this week. Mm-hmm. I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mel, deaconess of hospitality, so she's making sure people that are set up, tear down, greet, Set up Lord's Supper, count the offering, all that type of stuff. When you come in, Restoration Church member, where you listen, when you come in on a Sunday morning and everything is there, maybe there's one more. Let yeah, me make it's, that statement. Uh, Deacon of Finance, Laura, Laura Wall. So she oversees all of our finances, uh, helps. She has monthly reports that she does. Again, a person who's not paid by the church, but the yeah. member of the church that serves as an internal auditor because yeah. we want to be above reproach. That's right. And, all that. and really, at the end of the day, Catherine Feliciano does a lot of deaconess duties, yes. yeah. uh, particularly with Restoration Kids. Yeah. There, so yeah, anyway, go back administ- to your, in administrative yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so when you walk in, for instance, Restoration Church member, as you listen to this, you just imagine this. Imagine you walking up those stairs in Woodrow Wilson. There you come. You come to the top, and there's someone standing there with a bulletin in their hand. I would just want you to stop and think about all that's happening. And in your ears, you hear the musicians warming up because you got there early. You didn't show up at 1045 because <laughs> you know this is a 1030 service and you want to show up not for the 1045 service, 1030, which means you're showing up at 1020. Anyway, so you get a bulletin. That yeah. bulletin was put together, right? So on that bulletin, there are songs that were selected. Somebody had to choose those songs. Somebody had to create that bulletin. Someone had to print it off and then cut them. I've watched that happen over here as uh, Catherine does it. And then somebody had to schedule those people to be standing there. And so they are standing there, and, and there they are. Someone did that, and they hand those off. And then over there, there's a table with the, what do you call those things? The banners. Banners. Yeah, the banners. Those things are up. There's Bibles on the table. There's resources there. Those resources had to be laid out. And then you walk in, and there's musicians on the stage. There's cables that have been run and cables things that, that are sounds that are coming out. That's right. And lyrics All, that are showing and, and musicians that are playing and then uh there's the pulpit that has been set up there's yeah. children's workers over there that have been scheduled and joey you and i now you have to do a little bit of this just to sort of work through it but for the most part mo- you and i are not doing hard or the elders aren't doing any of that we show up on sunday mornings this is just one example solely focus on preaching and praying teaching and praying equipping the saints that we might be a beautiful city upon a hill God would be glorified. That's our job. That's right. So, and that's the deacons' the job. Deacons are so helpful inside the life of our church. Oh man, uh, huge. About, yeah, so huge uh, service. So we praise God for the men and women that are deacons and deaconesses. They raise up more. Um, any any last last words? Yeah, one book if you want to read more about this. Uh, so short and easy. I'll give you two. There's a tiny little brown book. It's on our shelf here. You can come and get it. 
uh, from Jeremy Rinney on uh, elders. It will take you an hour and a half to two hours to read, and it is wonderful. And, and I think that what I like about that book in particular is it's written almost directly toward a lay elder, That's so right. someone who doesn't get paid to do the job. It's That's right. so helpful That's right. uh, in those ways. And the second one is the B.D. Anyabwile's book, Finding Faithful Elders and Deacons. That one's going to talk about deacons as well as elders. Again, short, easy, simple read. We have every perspective elder read that book. Yeah, very good. So... Restoration Church, we love you. Uh, we're thankful that we get to shepherd you, and we're thankful for the, the deacons that are around us to, to serve and all the members that make disciples. And as Hebrews thirteen seventeen would say, that they ought to be a joy to pastor, and you are, beloved. Beloved.